1: Pardon the interruption, but I'm Pablo Torre, and it is a huge honor to be back on PTI, Tony.
0: Tony Kornheiser. Let me ask you a question. You think you'd be here if we were on the big network? We're on ESPN, too. You
1: think you'd make the cut? What do you think? It does feel like I've just been summoned here during the summer for sparring rounds with you. This does feel distinctly like sub-big show, now that you mention it.
0: You're here all week. I love you. I'm glad to have you. I really am. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. Will Bond still off celebrating Northwestern's win over Nebraska. So I am joined by our great friend from the ESPN Daily podcast, which I've heard of, and the online show Debatable, which we need to talk
1: about because I don't know what it <laughs> is,
0: my grandson, Pablo Torres.
1: 12.30 p.m. live on the Internet, Tony. The Internet's a place where young people live.
0: Yeah, the Internet. It's way beyond me. We begin today with the surprise announcement by the San Francisco 49ers that Jimmy Garoppolo will stay on the team and he will back up Trey Lance at quarterback, an exact reversal from last season. Garoppolo is taking a pay cut to $6.5 million to stay and he will become a complete free agent after this season. So Pablo, do you like the deal that Garoppolo agreed to and how should Lance feel about all this?
1: I love the deal for the Niners, Tony. I believe Trey Lance should probably come to terms with the fact that, yes, this all has the feeling, admittedly, of a prenuptial agreement, right? Like, there's no romance here. It's simply the idea of what happens if this doesn't go well in the way that both of us hope, right? I know that Kyle Shanahan has everything riding on Trey Lance. I have no doubt that he wants him to succeed. But the reality of this sport, of any sport, of humanity, of the human experiences injuries happen, number one. And secondly, sometimes your highest expectations should not serve as the floor for your realistic aspirations. And so I like it for them because it's insurance like a prenup.
0: Yeah. Um, To answer the original question, I don't really care about the Garoppolo contract. That's his business. Clearly, he had shoulder surgery a market for him did not develop. If he's healthy this year, he's probably in better shape next year as a complete free agent. But if I were Trey Lance, I would feel baffled by this and I would be incensed by this. You're Mm. telling me, you said you were getting rid of this guy so that I could have this position. You were going to ship him thousands of miles away so I did not have to see him every single day. You humiliated him publicly, which he probably thinks is my fault and I'm responsible. And now you're bringing him back and maybe he's going to take my job. What are you doing to me? You drafted me third, you moved up to draft me. What are you doing to me?
1: Tony, I don't know if we've ever discussed a story that more clearly reveals the two different ways that you see the world and I see the world. You, of course, see this as an existential threat. Meanwhile, I'm the backup here on ESPN2 getting any scrap I can get off of the big kids table. So I understand you see this as an insult. I see this as just the pragmatic reality of a sport.
0: Okay, okay. so so I get that. But let's go back in recent NFL history for a second. When the Packers were ready to move on to Aaron Rodgers, did they keep Brett Favre there? No, they did not. When the Chiefs were ready to move on to Patrick Mahomes, did they keep your friend Alex Smith there? No, they (laughs) did not. In this particular case, if you are Trey Lance, you are saying, where is the commitment to me? There is no commitment to me. They are afraid I'm going to fail, and they're bringing back a guy who I probably like a little bit, but I should hate, and who undoubtedly hates me and wants my job, right? I mean, that's—why
1: would you you do this? The tricky thing about this, Tony, is because of the dynamic from last season where they were in reverse order, right, we got to know that – Jimmy Garoppolo's kind of a beloved locker room figure. I don't think this works if Jimmy Garoppolo does not have history. Now, that history, to your point, may be the very reason why there should be fear striking the heart of Trey Lance. But from the outside here, I'll take it away from the Trey Lance perspective and towards the Kyle Shanahan perspective or the fans perspective. Why should anybody on the outside have more faith in Trey Lance than the people who traded all of those picks to acquire him? I understand there is psychology here from the quarterbacks, but as a football matter, this feels brilliant to me, Tony. It really does feel like a thing that will serve everybody except for the ego of Trey Lance.
0: I'm not going to doubt that. All I am suggesting to you in this case is it was the 49ers who initiated all of this. It was the 49ers who cast adrift Jimmy Garoppolo and said at one point, is he still here? Like, they didn't even, now they're bringing him back. Pragmatically, this makes sense. But you are driving a stake into the heart of Trey Lance to me.
1: To me. I have never, I've never really considered the idea that you and Trey Lance were so similar. But now this cannot be unthought and and, and really ignored. But okay. Tony, we're going to move on to baseball now where the two leading American League MVP candidates were both on the field in Anaheim last night. Aaron Judge of the Yankees hit his 50th home run in the eighth. Shohei Ohtani hit his 29th in the fifth. And that one proved to be the game winner for the Angels. So which star here, Tony, has the stronger case for MVP?
0: So I'm going to answer your question with a question. What is Judge's ERA? Because Otani's, I believe, is 2.67. Oh, that's right. Judge yeah. doesn't have an ERA because he doesn't pitch. Judge is having a fabulous season. He leads the majors in home runs. He leads the majors in RBI. I think he's batting 294, which is really good. You know, but he doesn't pitch. The other guy gives you a chance to win every game from different positions. Let me get the numbers right here. Please. He's 11-8 and eight on a bad team. His ERA, ERA is two six seven. It's 11th best in all of baseball. He's got 176 yep. strikeouts, 8th best in all of baseball. He's an all-star pitcher, and he's an all-star hitter. I, I love Aaron Judge. You could make the case he's having the best year in baseball. Some would make it for Paul Goldschmidt. But the other guy's a unicorn. We, I do this with Wilbon all I, the time. The other guy is more valuable.
1: Tony, I am angry that this question has to be debated. I fully agree with you. But what is crazy is that in Vegas Aaron Judge is the favorite for the AL MVP and it's not close. It is not close between him and Otani. Otani's a distant second. And so I'm trying to think of the arguments against Otani and all of it seems to revolve around the fact that the Angels are terrible. And I get it. The Angels yeah. are terrible. But I don't want to, I I have to think like Can we think of ourselves, can we think of our time now from the perspective of the future, right? When I have grandkids and I'm talking about baseball with them and I tell the story of Shohei Ohtani and all the things he did, the idea that he would not have won MVP this season is insane. And I'm a Yankee homer, you know that. It's insane. He leads the majors in strikeout rate. Ohtani does. So let, let, let me get to another
0: calculation here. I'm so I don't I didn't know the thing about Vegas. I'm surprised about the thing about Vegas. It doesn't mean I that it's too. automatically predictive. The Yankees took a deep dive in August. They are nine and seventeen in August. And Judges' home runs do not reverse that. The Angels are not as good a team. They're not going to be in the playoffs, but the Angels are they're better now. They're 13 and 14 in August. 13 and 14 is still a better than 9 and yeah. 17. Individually, individually, Otani in August is hitting 312 with seven homers and seventeen RBI, and Judge is hitting 277 with eight homers and nineteen RBI. And that's pretty much a wash. Except the other guy pitches. He
1: also It's just pitches. not close. So this is not close. Yeah. It can't be, rationally.
0: I don't I don't get it. Let's move on. Pablo, both of us had Serena Williams winning last night. She drew the largest crowd ever to an evening session of the US Open and she beat Donka Kovenich 6-3, 6-3 to get to the second round, where she will play the number two seed, Annette Kontaveit. Serena doesn't figure to win, but Kontaveit has no majors. Serena has 23. Do you sense a big run by Serena?
1: Tony, I want to start my answer by describing the scene after this match last night. A scene that was part graduation party and part retirement party. A scene that was clearly calculated with a message from Oprah, to celebrate Serena right now. And I was wondering, well, she just won. Why wouldn't you push this to when she actually, you know, has to stop playing tennis? And then it dawned on me that she's playing the number two player in the field. I don't expect a big yeah. run here. I think it was incredible to watch the, the, the party, the circus of that match, that scene. We saw a little werewolf, to borrow your term, from yesterday's show, Serena showing up, but, Are we really expecting that version of Serena to be the second best player in the world? Because I do not.
0: Okay. So I made an appointment viewing last night. I wanted to watch it. Serena started off very shaky. She had a bunch of double faults. I think at one point, Kovinic had won three straight games and I thought her strategy was to keep Serena out there for as long as she could, tire her out and beat her. But Serena found her legs and then she found her serve and and she was very convincing in the way she won. I don't think the number two ranked player in the world should lose to Serena, but she's beatable in my eyes because she has never won anything. For me, the highlight, and I think I left you a voicemail about this. For me, the highlight <laughs> was when they showed the famous people in the stands. They showed Bill Clinton, who I thought was with Dr. Ruth. I thought this can't be possible, be with Dr. Ruth. Didn't even know if Dr. Ruth was still with us. Found out she was happy about that.
1: Thankfully, um, They showed
0: a bunch everyone. of younger people Younger people who I did not recognize, who I assume were either actors or singers, they showed the ubiquitous Spike Lee because, of course, he has to be at every event. But the showstopper for me was they show Martina Navratilova. She's sitting there in her lap as a dog. She's petting a dog. She is sitting next to Mike Tyson. Pablo, if you gave me a thousand guesses, (laughs) a thousand guesses, I would never have guessed Mike Tyson, nor would I have guessed the dog. It was—that was the highlight for me. I will just say this one thing uh, about the the next match that they play. It's very dangerous to play Serena in New York. The crowd is 100% behind her. They cheer every point she makes— They never respond to the opponent unless the opponent screws up, and then they cheer. It's a tough (laughs) crowd. It's a tough crowd, as Rodney Dangerfield said. Let's take a break. Coming up, the two best teams in the National League start a three-game series tonight. Which one should we be more bullish on?
1: And are the Knicks, Tony, making the right move by prioritizing R.J. Barrett over Donovan Mitchell?
0: Tyson, did you see him as a tennis guy?
1: Did you Tyson, the dog, to no. <laughs> beings that like to nibble on ears. Sorry for yes, the layup yes. there, but had to, yes. be said. Yeah. had to be said.
2: Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
0: It's time for toss-up. Two men enter, one man leaves, finishes the show, then wonders whether Wilbon will ever return to work, but doesn't say it out loud because he doesn't want Pablo to feel unappreciated. What's first? Toss-up. They meet tonight in the first of three games. Which team are you more bullish on, the Dodgers or the Mets? So let me confess my prejudice here. I love Max Scherzer. Everybody knows that. I root for Max Scherzer. More than anyone else I know. The Dodgers... Yeah, the Dodgers are a better team, Um, but the Dodgers have been hurt lately because it seems, Pablo, that every one of their starting pitchers is either currently or recently on the injured list, right? There's Bueller and Kershaw and Gonsolin, I think May was on as well. So, I mean, maybe I should be more bullish on the Mets for this series, and especially because it's in Queens, maybe that benefits them. But, my gosh... The Dodgers' everyday lineup is relentless. They are it's plus ridiculous. 286 in run differential. That's, they're a hun, more than 100 ahead of everybody else. It would seem to me that Scherzer and DeGrom almost have to pitch no hitters for them to win. I, I believe if the Dodgers had a really good closer, they'd win 120 games.
1: Yeah, and look, Tony, if this was a, I don't know, 10-game series, 15-game series, whatever it is, I pick the better team, right? But this is a short series, and let me kindle even further throw logs on the fire of love that you have for Max Scherzer, right? Because you had personally benefited from a dynamic that we may see play out in this series and then in the postseason. 2019, right? The Dodgers are a better team than your Nationals, but the Nationals have Steven Strasburg and they have Max Scherzer. And we know, not as good of a team, but they had those arms. The Mets, of course, Scherzer and DeGrom. I can see it happen because it's a short series, specifically for that reason and only that reason.
0: Those two guys and Patrick Corbin went to the bullpen. And going to the bullpen a variety of times, that was the big deal in the World Series. That, that mm. won the World Series. What's
2: next? Toss-up, should the Knicks prioritize R.J. Barrett or Donovan Mitchell?
0: Well, it seems to me they just did prioritize R.J. Barrett. They just signed him to a $120 million extension. It's hard for me to think that they would then take that person with that extension and trade him for Donovan Mitchell. It feels to me like they're saying, let's roll with this guy. Let's put him out there with Jalen Brunson and let's see what we've got. Um, The 1960s and 70s Knicks are my wheelhouse. These are not. I'm going (laughs) to yield the floor to you. Because you, you live in New York, you've had to watch this dreadful yeah. team for a number of years now, and you can explain what I need to know.
1: Tony, you should know that the Knicks have not signed a player they've drafted to a contract like this since 1999. Charlie Ward was that guy, you might recall Charlie Ward. That's the last time this happened for R.J. Yeah. Barrett. I myself would, I mean, I'd like to say um, that I don't want either of these guys, really. I don't really want RJ Barrett to build around. I don't really want Donovan Mitchell to build around. I believe RJ Barrett is a highly inefficient scorer who's probably like the third best player on a hypothetical championship team. I believe Donovan Mitchell is a highly inefficient scorer who is probably the second best player on a championship team. The prices involved here, I guess the RJ Barrett one is understandable because the CBA is gonna get renegotiated. A big contract now will look smaller when all the other contracts get bigger in a couple of years. But the Donovan Mitchell thing, Danny Ainge is asking for all of the draft picks. I don't want to really give up any of this stuff if my bet, my championship hopes are resting on either of these guys. They're supplementary parts to me, and all of this feels very Nixie in ways that you should be familiar with because I don't think there is chess. This all feels kind of like checkers to me.
0: Um. It's just interesting to hear you use the word Knicks and championship team in this in the next sentence. There's a total disconnect on that, obviously. That's yeah, it. Bit. Let's take one seconds. last break. Still to come, Albert Pujols homers again. Are we sure
1: he's not going to be back next season? And just how big was the acquisition the Philadelphia Eagles made today?
0: Charlie Ward was a great football player, Florida State. Yes,
1: Florida State Heisman a, a winner. a fine
0: basketball player. Yeah, he's a great football player. Does R.J. Barrett play football?
2: (laughs) Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority.
0: Happy time, people. Happy 40th birthday, Andy Roddick. Roddick is younger than Serena Williams, and he's been out of tennis for a decade now. Roddick is the last American man to win a major. He won the U.S. Open in 2003, 19 years ago. Mm. He's the last American man to reach the finals of the U.S. Open. In 2006, 16 years ago, he is the last American man to reach the finals of any major. In 2009, Roddick was in the Wimbledon final, 13 years ago. What happened to American men? Only one American, Taylor Fritz, is ranked in the top 25, and he just lost in the first round of the Open last night to qualifier Brandon Holt, who is Tracy Austin's son. The nation that gave tennis Connors, McEnroe, Currier, Chang, Agassi, Sampras, now gives tennis nothing. It's pathetic, but happy birthday, Andy.
1: Tony, it's a mystery that I've been trying to figure out because I don't know the answer or anything close to it. And I looked up headlines that have been ongoing for decades. And there are theories about Americans need to play on clay. They need to improve their movement. I guess Americans are just bad at movement relative to their international colleagues. But it feels like a chicken or the egg question, right? You need to see an American start to inspire other American kids, which would be a problem in terms of, yeah, the order of operations there.
0: We just stink at the moment. We're just terrible
1: we at it. More concisely. Awful. But.
0: A not so happy anniversary, Gino Petralli. On this day 35 years ago, Petrali set the dubious major league record for pass balls in one game, when he allowed six Charlie Huff knuckle balls to get away from him. They were the battery for the Texas Rangers that day. Petrali ended up with 35 pass balls that year. That's a modern day record. 32 of them came with Huff pitching. The manager of the Rangers at you was Bobby Valentine. And I feel like asking him, you didn't like Petrali? You couldn't have liked him if you kept putting him out there with Huff. Did you see that knuckleball dive? Nobody could catch that.
1: Willie Stargell, Tony, is the one who called a knuckleball a butterfly with hiccups. And being a butterfly catcher, very, very difficult. I had to go and find out, like, did they really not have like a Doug Mirabelli, Tim Wakefield personal catcher situation? It turned out that Petralli was the personal catcher. That was the best option that Bobby Valentine had found. And that's how it worked out against or with, I suppose, the most uncatchable pitch maybe in baseball history.
0: Well, thank you for teaching me that. I didn't know that. Happy trails to a high fastball from Ross Detweiler. Last night, the Reds reliever became the 450th different pitcher, a major league record, to give up a home run to Albert Pujols. Pujols tagged a two-run liner to right for his 694th homer ever in a Cardinals win. The 42-year-old Pujols now has eight home runs in August. That's the most he has hit in a single month since June of 2015. Pujols is now just two home runs shy of tying A-Rod at 696 and six shy of 700, a number reached only by Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds. Pujols insists he will retire at the end of the season, but what if he's at 699? Wouldn't he come back for 700? Pablo, shouldn't he come
1: back for 700? He should. I believe he would. I also believe he's going to get there this season I mean I didn't expect to think at all about Albert Pujols this year I thought the all-star break the home run derby elder statesman stuff was the peak for him but what he's been doing Tony what he's been doing is absurd I don't understand this one at all but God bless him man he's still out there and he is good for absolutely him. raking
0: good for him big finish here we go Kyle Schwarber. in 37th homer but the Phillies blew a 7-0 lead to the Padres they lost 13-7 what's the bigger news
1: Ooh, I guess that the Padres have a little bit of silver lining given all the bad stuff happening to them. Red Sox president Sam Kennedy, meanwhile, says he feels very comfortable that GM Heim Bloom and manager Alex Cora will be back next season. Any reason to doubt?
0: I don't doubt this. They are in the toughest division in the history of sports. Somebody's got to lose it. The A, at least, is just a killer. Markeith yes. Morris agreed to a one year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Do you find that significant?
1: Kind of because the Nets have all of these players that fit really well around Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're really good on paper. The Saints, meanwhile, they traded defensive back Chauncey Gardner Johnson to the Eagles. And is that a big deal?
0: Might be a big deal. The Saints are loaded with DBs. He goes from a team that's floundering to a team that could win a division. Good for him. Last one Naomi Osaka against 19 seed Daniel Collins tonight. Who do you like?
1: I like Osaka based on nothing more than I like the idea of the crowd getting behind her because of all of those werewolf dynamics that you mentioned. We're out of time. We will try and do better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Pablo Torre. Please check out my podcast, ESPN Daily, and also the online TV show that's not really a TV show, Debatable, which Tony can find on YouTube and Twitter and the ESPN app. And now, here is sports. Can sports. I watch it on TV? Can I? hear? can! Here-